So the reading today is taken from the book of Colossians, chapter 2, reading from verses 16 to 23. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink, or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you for the prize. Such a person goes into great detail about what he has seen and his unspiritual mind puffs him up with idle notions. He has lost connection with the head from whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. Since you died with Christ to the basic principles of this world, why, as though you still belong to it, do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These are all destined to perish with use because they are based on human commands and teachings. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. Thank you, Simon. Good morning, everybody. Uh, Let's just pray, shall we? Father God, as we open up this scripture this morning, as we uh, examine our own hearts before you, we ask that your Holy Spirit would speak to us, that you would encourage us, that you would challenge us to live for you, that you would help us to step more into the freedom that we have in Christ. Amen. So, the chola, I, can, I can't say this word, I'm just going to go for it. The Cholatika, the Cholatika Bridge is a suspension bridge uh, that's la- located in Honduras. Some of you uh, might have heard of it. Uh, this picture is the original bridge. It was constructed in around 1930. Quite beautiful, isn't it? A beautiful uh, suspension bridge. And it was a really important bridge in Honduras to allow access uh, to different parts of that country. The only problem is, is that in Honduras, that country often gets battered uh, by some of the most powerful tropical storms. And so in 1996, it was decided to build a new bridge, a bridge that could withstand any of the hurricanes and storms that hit that part of the world. Uh, And this was the new bridge, the Cholotu. Cholotuka Bridge. It's like a tongue twister for me. It was actually designed by some Japanese artists, uh, architects, some of the best architects of the time. And it was deemed an incredible success. It was finished in 1998. And just after the bridge's opening in 1998, Honduras was hit by Hurricane Mitch. It was a a Category 5 storm that devastated the Caribbean. 
And Honduras, as a country, really took the brunt of that storm. It was wrecked. Roads were wiped out all over the country. As a result of Hurricane Mitch, 20, over 20% of the population was made homeless. Every bridge in Honduras was destroyed, except for the Cholotica Bridge, which somehow, perhaps because of its design, stood its ground and survived. All the roads around it leading up to it were also destroyed, but the bridge itself wasn't washed away. It was an amazing architectural achievement, but there was one problem, and this was it. There is the bridge. But the storm had caused the river to carve out a completely uh, new path so that the river, as you can see on the picture, no longer ran underneath the bridge. The Cholotica Bridge no longer stood over the river, and in a sense, it was rendered useless. It was renamed the Bridge to Nowhere. It was a completely useless bridge. And this story of this bridge in Honduras is on many levels uh, like a metaphor for our times. In our rapidly changing world that we live in, some of the most reliable features of our society have been abandoned. The river is ever-changing. And perhaps some of the systems and structures and institutions, maybe including the church, which we've relied on in the past, are either no longer relevant or are missing the mark. Or, like this bridge, are just not crossing the river anymore. And I think this is a constant challenge to us as a church and to us as followers of Jesus. Because our calling as a church is to be where the river is. And where the river is means speaking the language that the people we're ministering to understand. It means living out and loving out the gospel of Jesus where the people are, meeting the actual needs that they have, and playing our part, and that's why we're having pray, serve, give today. And sometimes, even though we're called, in a sense, to build bridges as a church that help people cross the river, the Spirit sometimes actually calls us, doesn't he, to get off our bridge and get in the mud and lead people by the hand to the other side. As Dave reminded us uh, last week, Vision Sunday, we do this by being whole-life disciples of Jesus, who are rooted in Christ, who are built up in the faith that we have received and are overflowing with thankfulness. That was in the previous passage to the one that Simon just met, read in Colossians 2, verses 6 and 7. But here in our passage from Colossians 2, starting at verse 16, 
Paul is speaking into a situation where some people have infiltrated uh, the church in Colossae and are trying to convince the Christians there that it's fine for the bridge to be here even though the river has moved. These people are trying to convince the Christians in Colossae that it's fine for them to have their bridge here even though the river has moved. These young Christians are being told that their worship, their spirituality, should flow from the old traditions of Judaism, not this new way of being in Christ. And Paul is writing to them and he's saying, no, because the river has moved. Christ has come. If you just look back a couple of verses, in verses 13 and 14, Paul says to them, you know, Jesus has rescued you from the dominion of darkness, and he's brought you into the kingdom of the son he he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. All the things that were really important, that are being presented to you now as being compulsory to faith, like the rules around what you should eat or wear or or taste or touch, the keeping of the Jewish festivals, all these things that used to enable you to cross the river to God, all these things, they were part of the old covenant. They were all about anticipating that the Messiah will come. But Paul is saying, the Messiah has come. So now all these things are unnecessary. And he says in verse 17 this, these things are just a shadow of the reality that we we now have in Christ. I expect many of us who have children somewhere in our lives um, have had random conversations with them about shadows. I definitely have. Uh, you know, you're walking along on a sunny day with some small child and, and they see a shadow and they ask, where does that shadow come from? Or is that real? Or, you know, can, can I move it? Or can I touch the shadow? And we all have a go at trying to explain shadows in that moment, don't you? Uh, Well, you know, the shadow is like the dark area where the light blocks uh, the solid, is blocked by the solid object. That's my sort of attempt of explaining the science of shadows. Uh, And we go, you know, the, the shadow is not the same as the object. It's just like the shape of it. And no, you can't touch it, but yes, you can try and stand on it as well. And then you do some weird shadow standing dance. For these Christians in Colossae, Paul is saying all these religious practices of the old covenant, they are a shadow of the reality of Christ. So you just don't need to go there anymore. I wonder what the shadows are for us. Maybe it's in the area of relationships. You know, we can spend so much time, can't we, investing in our social media or online relationships. And sometimes 
when we do that, we end up neglecting our real-life relationships or the people that actually are closest to us. Maybe for you, the shadow is success. You strive for it, uh, and you're convinced that you know what success looks like. And so you try to be the best. You work long hours. You make as much money as you can. You aim to be the boss, maybe, or the leader. You buy the things that make you look like a success. When the reality is that in the economy of God, these things are just a shadow of what success really is outlined in Jesus' teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. Or it might be in our lives as disciples of Jesus. We perhaps focus too much on the things that are shadows. We put so much value perhaps on spiritual experiences or feelings or on styles of worship that we do or don't like or the quality of our prayer life or the amount that we pray. Maybe that's the stuff of religion rather than every day focusing on the reality of Christ Jesus, submitting ourselves to him fully and asking the Holy Spirit to transform us to be more like him. And Paul goes on in verse 21, reminding us of the reality of who we are in Christ. Since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why, as though you still belong to the world, do you submit to its rules? For these new Christians in Colossae, these elemental spiritual forces of the world were the Jewish regulations, the things that have been imposed upon them, you know, do not handle this, do not touch that, do not taste the other. And Paul is saying, no, you've died to all that. When you became a Christian, you died to those things. Go after authentic spirituality. Don't just submit to these rules for an easy life. Go after Christ Jesus, he's telling them. And again, what would those rules look like for you and I today? Maybe for us living in Western, a Western city in 2021, these are the sort of social and religious and cultural and political rules that are really ingrained within our culture and society and sometimes feel like they're imposed upon us. And sometimes, if we're honest, we just submit to them without question for an easy life. Or perhaps we feel that we can't challenge them because we're scared of the power and the voice of the, some call it the liberal, secular, progressive agenda. And so we just shut up and we keep our head down and we go with the masses. I just want to clarify something. Some of these new rules of society are brilliant. They protect the oppressed, 
and they challenge things like institutionalized homophobia or sexism or racism, and that is good. But there are also times in society, in history, and maybe this is one of them, where as Christians, we have to step out of the shadows and not just submit to and go along with some of the rules of the world. And instead, we have to take up our cross and face the hassle and follow Jesus. There are famous moments in history, aren't there? I'm sure there are moments that will come to your mind straight away where this has happened. You know, in the late 1700s and early 1800s, Wilberforce and his his, uh, supporters did this by bringing an end to uh, uh, the transatlantic slave trade. In the 1950s, Martin Luther King did this by enabling equal rights uh, for black Americans. And sometimes it's just small steps. Sometimes it's just people challenging the elemental spiritual forces of the world, challenging what has been accepted as normal and bringing hope and freedom in the name of Jesus. Pornhub is the biggest online porn site in the world. Listen to these statistics. In 2019, it had 49 billion visits to his, its site. That's six, nearly six and a half times the population of the world. During the lockdown of early 2020, Pornhub was delighted to report a 25% increase in visits to its site. It was an untouchable powerhouse. But in December last year, the site was forced to delete all its illegal content. That amounted to 80% of the content on its site. That in itself, I find, hugely disturbing. And crucial to this happening was the work of a number of Christian and secular pressure groups who worked together and took on the elemental spiritual forces of this world. And one of the really clever things I think that they did is they got MasterCard and Visa on board. And once these uh, financial powerhouses were faced with the blatant reality that their credit cards were being used to fund some horrendous crime, they terminated the use of their credit cards on the Pornhub site. And this moved, move, combined with some incredible uh, legal work, forced the hand of Pornhub and it went on to delete that 80% of its illegal content. This is just one example of many that we could have used this morning, of Christians stepping out and challenging the elemental spiritual forces of this world. So two questions. If we're honest, Where might we have been acting 
or behaving the same as the world, either by what we do or don't say or do. And where is the spirit nudging us to perhaps step out of the shadows, to challenge the rules of the world, to perhaps build a bridge over the river? And lastly, where do we get this confidence as Christians to step out of the shadows? Verse 17 again. We find it in the reality of Christ, who he is and what he's done. So what does that reality look like? It looks like the fact that we're able to stand firm on the fact that Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament, that he is the long-awaited Messiah, that he is the rescuer, that he is our all in all. That reality looks like knowing that all the fullness of God, all the fullness of the Father dwells in Jesus. And so when we get to know the Jesus of Scripture, we see and experience the fullness of God. That reality looks like uh, knowing that Jesus is the all-sufficient sacrifice for sin. There is nothing more to be done by you or me or anybody else. And because of this reality, as Paul explains in this passage, we have freedom in Christ. You and I have been made new creations in Jesus. We are free from sin. Because of Jesus, you and I have privileged access to God. We're able to freely draw near to him in worship without having to worry about what we eat or drink or what particular festivals we're following. We're free from the burdens of religiosity going through the motions, burdens that perhaps put on us by the world. We're free from the burdens of what the Bible calls the flesh, those, you know, human temptations that we all face. We can be free in Christ Jesus. Read Romans chapter 8 if you want to find more about that. And we're free because of all this to fully serve God with all that we are, with all our gifts, all our time, all our talents. And this is the good news. This is the good news as Christians we get to live out and proclaim. And maybe for some of us today, this is a bit of a line in the sand for us. We need to throw off the shadows. We need to throw off the shackles of whatever has burdened us and just step into that freedom that Christ Jesus has bought for us. We're going to sing in a moment about how Christ is our all in all. He is the one that we need. He's the only one. We're going to sing of what he's done for us. And perhaps as we do that, you might want to pray about those things that have challenged you as we've looked at the passage this morning. You might want to bring to God an area of the world which your heart breaks for. and say to God, where do you want me uh, to speak 
for you? Where do you want me to act for you? Where can I show your love and your healing in our society today? And so, Mark, if you want to come up, we'll just pray. Should we stand together? And then we'll sing this song of commitment of who Christ is. Jesus, we thank you that you are enough, that you are all we need. Thank you that for all that you have done for us, through your life, through the cross, through your resurrection. Thank you for sending your spirit to be with us now. And we pray that you continue to move in our hearts, that we be people who are confident to step out of the shadows, people confident to get in the river, if that's where you're calling us to be, to build our bridges in the right place, the place where you call us to do that, to be your people, to be your voice for the voiceless, And so continue to speak to us as we sing your praises. Amen.